through the job, you really get in tune with your senses. Mm. Mm-hmm. You see a leaf yeah. fall, your eyes are there straight, straight away. Straight up, brother. What do we do? Obviously, because it's too many animals, cold, huge amounts of African game. Elephants, giraffes, zebra, wildebeest, lions. Killed them all through the permits, through ecology and environmental management. Welcome to the Big Small Podcast, where I speak to adventurers, advocates, and authorities in nature, and we talk about the small things in life's big picture. I'm your host, Jaden Lunt, and in today's episode, I speak to a fellow colleague, a fauna spotter catcher, about farming in Africa, tips as a fauna spotter catcher, and the relationship between fauna, flora, and humanity. He is a sincere man and a deep thinker. Please welcome to the show my guest, Darcy Brady. Darcy, mate. We've just been on a walk. Uh, we got back. Uh, we saw some really cool birds. How are you going, though? <laughs> Happy to be here, Jaden. I'm going really well. Fantastic. That's good. That's good. Now, uh, Darcy, you've um, got a really cool job. We spoke about some of the things that you've been doing uh, and some of the things you've seen. What do you do? What is it called? My role that I operate under is fauna spotter catcher. Yep. Pretty much go to potential land... Clearance sites facilitate the felling of vegetation in a way that's mitigating the harm and suffering mm-hmm. of potential wildlife that are inhibiting the same yep. area. I, I go places, put broadly, I find animals, I catch animals, and I relocate them so they're better off. Yeah, 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 yeah. After, instead of being crushed by a tree. Instead of machines mm. and people getting in the way. Yeah, so fauna spotters are uh, pretty much... Um, the heroes of of wildlife. Uh, you just you guys. Not when I speak to people, people don't really know about what fauna spotters are or that they exist. Uh, do you find that as well? I see it as a. Or you just don't tell people. You're just like a silent hero. It feels like I'm on the front line, seeing seeing destruction in a way that's inevitable mm. within our society. But I feel more less than a warrior or a savior, but more like a nurse or a medic mm-hmm. here to relieve or mitigate potential pain that could come across yeah, yeah. from our human exploitation. Yeah, yeah. So, in a, in a way, I am, am a guardian or a saviour of wildlife <laughs> that I can try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, you're not, but you are. That's, yeah, um, yeah. Hero, yeah, exactly. Fauna spotters are heroes. The unsung heroes that um, people don't realise there is protect. There is a, um, a process involved in trying to protect uh, our wildlife. So, with fauna spotting, Darcy, how, how long have you been doing fauna spotting for? I've been doing this sort of work for two years now, just about a range of small jobs, big jobs, different species assemblages and different vegetative communities all over southeast Queensland usually. So you're always learning. It's always something different and yeah. you're finding things you've only ever seen in a book or in a documentary before as a kid. Mm. It's quite amazing. Yeah, but- it is very cool. And when I, when, at least for myself, when I heard about fauna spotting, I didn't know that existed. Um, did Did you know about fauna spotting? Uh, I mean, from a young age, or is this kind of something didn't you know came it existed? Mm-hmm. I had no idea there was work that was separate from zookeepers or yep. snake catchers that yep. worked with wildlife. I didn't didn't know what operated until I found the job, and I was perplexed what and was intrigued. It, on seek, <laughs> seek. Yeah, might have might have been seek. Yeah, some way didn't know about it. Saw it there. I'm like. Fauna spotter catcher sounds a bit, a bit weird. What is fauna? What is spotter? What is catcher? I can catch. <laughs> I spot. I catch. Yeah, I conquer. <laughs> yeah. 
And so, uh, you've been doing this for how, how long did you, did you say? Two years. Two nearly. years. Two years, nearly two years you've been doing it. Um, and then this is the first company that you've worked for, um, Fauna Spotting. Is that correct? It's the first professional step in a career that I've taken. Right. I've had multiple jobs, but none related to earth or environmental wildlife. Yep, 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 yep. And how, how long, well, well, um, how long have you kind of been going down this path of searching uh, for a greater understanding of wildlife? Um, we spoke a little bit about your uh, your childhood as well um, and how you had 800, 700? 600 to 300 horses for most of my life. <laughs> which is pretty crazy, which is pretty crazy. Um, run us through kind of why and how, how that really came about. Like, is that just because you, your family liked horses and so like let's have 600 horses or is there a business behind it well my father was raised in a family where they value horses and the the leisure aspects that come involved with it so i was raised in open grassland scrub country with large acreage so i I never really had an environmental or ecological mindset growing up rather i was just a bush kid just Mm. a bush kid in australia Mm. then i I catered all my senior high schooling to become a PE teacher or a physiotherapist. PE teacher. You look like a PE teacher. Oh, I would have loved- A bush PE teacher. <laughs> I, I saw what our PE teacher got to do with us in year 12. That was, all I wanted to do was that. I wanted to make kids cry. Oh, always been on the opposite team as the sporty kids and just abusing them. That was in, in a fun educational <laughs> yes. way. Yeah. Fun educational way. But the, the day that we had to apply for university, I was reading through a book of opportunities and I thought, how can I actually- make a difference on more than individuals. Yeah. How can I help individuals in a way that they can help the community? And so I, I saw something in the paperwork saying environmental science. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting thing. Mum, dad, what do you reckon of this? At the, at the time, they were very, I don't know, where's the job prospects? Where's the money? Yeah. What, where, where could this lead? And I'm like, really, I don't know, but it's very interesting to me right now. And it feels like where my heart is. Yeah. The step I should take. And so I did. I went to university, did one semester of environmental science, changed that to environmental management, and then finished my four and a half year degree in June last year. That would have been a good feeling to finish four years worth of study. Coming through the academic institution from from an infant through kindy to preschool to primary to high school to uni without a break. Mm. So relieving mm. to be able to walk around instead of sit down and as a normal human being yeah and just enjoy life a little bit (laughs) very more freeing yeah uh well well okay let's um so it wasn't business related the horses it was just an understanding of um equestrian um health and and the, the joys that came along with it and would you say that has that impacted you um yeah would you say that impacted you and i guess in how you've made this life of yours with fauna spotting um i guess until yeah up till now is that did that impact you greatly or well my my parents managed a commercial horse stud for racing industry so right so it was breeding resting and the racing side we didn't do too much of but the whole process of birth death growth and a life cycle is the real thing i got from it uh, seeing something come from an egg, I did veterinary autopsies. Wait, you saw a horse come from an egg? Yeah, the o- ovulation with inside the womb. Ah, that part. Like a, <laughs> I was uh, thinking chicken egg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, horses lay shells. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> well, watching the whole process of 
creation and then death yep. through an animal separate to a human entity really just gets you thinking about the relatedness with everything. And working with all these livestock, also cattle, sheep, pigs, goats, mm. chooks at my friends and working dairies and all these other food production systems yep. growing up really just ingrained my understanding of the earth the vegetation that these animals eat and the animals themselves, and then how us as humans manage these animals mm-hmm. in whatever facet we're using them for. Yeah, and how we fit into that system. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Um, and so you moved on from, from horses, you got the degree, and then you got into fauna spotting, um, which you've been doing for a couple of years now. Uh, what is... Um, is there any one point, I guess, that you that you were like, I'm going to do this? Uh, was it when you were reading that book um, of opportunities? Uh, or were you like, I'm going to, this, this is what's happening? Or is it just a progressive um, outworking of your life that has led you to here? Same with growing as an individual. Same with opportunity, prospects, and ideas, desires, I think. I never, I didn't know, as we said, I didn't know what a fauna spotter was. Mm. I just wanted to learn more about our planet, our environment, so I can have a better understanding, so I can make a greater impact, greater positive impact. So in university, my third year, we had to do an industry placement. So I was with BirdLife Southern Queensland on their Mm. powerful owl project. Yeah, way cool. Meaning all day, every day, I was just studying bird calls and feather silhouettes and different birds around Southeast Queensland. Then overnight going out to forests of SEQ looking for powerful owls and other nocturnal bird species. And I thought whilst doing this for a whole semester, far out, if I could get paid to look for animals, I would take that opportunity because it's so rewarding, so fun to be in the presence of these beings that you have never heard of before Mm -hmm. or only seen pictures of. Mm. And that really got me into... This job, found it, like, that could be the thing for me. And I was doing it while I was doing uni. Now I'm doing it full-time. And oh, it's very rewarding. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, so you've been out uh, searching southeast Queensland. Would um, Without, we won't say the powerful owl locations, but is for people that are interested in birding for the listener, uh are there any specific locations around southeast Queensland, just a just a couple that would be worth someone's time to go out just in regards to the biodiversity in birds? I would rec- recommend anybody who would wanted to be more ingrained with nature and witness these creatures, find protected areas or national parks which have large patches of remnant or old growth vegetation. Anything with the big holes, the tree hollies and trees, and anywhere near creek lines anywhere where there's a diverse bit of forest, Mm -hmm. it's your best chance to seeing almost all animals. Right, right, Including endangered species and vulnerable species such as the powerful owl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you would have uh, gathered... In regards to silhouettes and Mm. feathers, um, how how did that help with your understanding of birds? Silhouette meaning... A black shape you see in the tree. You can't see anything else except the shape. So a silhouette, like a shadow. 
Right. And so oh, the actual bird. The actual bird. I was thinking of silhouette of a feather. And I was like, it so looks like a feather. Feather types with, with, with birds. Look at the primaries, secondaries, and tertiaries with coverts, small feathers. And these all have different patterns and colors and very similar between different species, depending on what flight feathers they are. So to study these, particularly what's localized to this area, but just looking at photos and comparisons and then looking at random shapes in trees and trying to look at the beak, the head shape, the the buffness of the chest, the yeah. tail feathers, all these different things. It's just practice and repetition to yeah. put a name to what this is. Yeah, that's awesome. So then you can associate this animal with the vegetation, with the soil type, with the geography. Mm. With the area and all the climate variables as well. Yeah, right. It's a big cycle of connectedness, <laughs> interconnectedness that yeah. you got to understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a there's a lot of side paths that you kind of need to go down to understand sure. what the, the 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 beginning of it all. Uh, with um with this fauna spotting gig, if the boss ever listens, <laughs> you can say you have to say when you're going to leave. But when uh, what what do you want to do in life like like you've done the fauna spotting um it's a very broad question so you've done the fauna spotting you're here now um is there any ultimate goal um any other jobs that you've heard of that you're like freak yeah that's that's really cool uh i can have an impact on the environment and i can also better my understanding of knowledge Uh, is there an avenue that you that you've looked at going down past fauna spotting um or opposite of leaving fauna spotting um, niching down within the fauna spotting uh, in some way, shape, or form. <clears throat> yeah, in this, in my in my understanding of this life, I would like to create the greatest positive impact that I see possible. That in my hands and through my conscious role that I can play. To me, that is through helping regenerate resilience of landscapes through helping biodiversity and soil growth sucking carbon from our atmosphere sequestering it back into the soil helping the water cycle and such the fungi and the insects and the plants the birds the reptiles everything to create biodiversity whilst also feeding communities Mm -hmm. so i just want to be a farmer i just want to be a land steward right to go into the it's a very classy way of putting it field of holistic land management or regenerative agriculture. Right, okay. So right now I'm learning about wildlife conservation because I'm looking at those dynamic interrelationships between all biotic and abiotic systems and processes that we have. So if I can understand why this animal uses this spot, you've got to think, why is it here? Then go down the chain and back up the chain and yep. look at how it all relates. Yeah. In this world, we need to think about people, community, and economics. Mm-hmm. So you need to find a way to that do power. the things that you're really passionate about, but also be able to survive in this sort of life. Yeah, with money, make money from it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, uh, do you have a timeline at with which you think this will be able to be completed by, uh, uh, or you just like whatever happens, happens, son? <laughs> I move with the wind. I I take things for what I have and what my responsibilities are and what I can do. Yeah. I I have a 30-year plan, but I don't have a five-year plan. Yeah, right, right, right. Okay. I know, as Frederick Nietzsche said, 
an old, correct me, I might be wrong, but German philosopher. Yeah, sounds about right. As, yeah. Nietzsche? Yeah. yeah. As, as long as there is a where, the how doesn't really matter. And that's paraphrasing. A why? A man that as has As long a- as there's a where. Well, the- how you get to the same place mm. is, isn't too concerning as long as you're getting there in yeah. a way that's still beneficial to the most things it can be to. Yeah, as long as you have a kind of a goal in mind. Yeah. So, I, I want to help our earth. That's mm. that broad plan. Yeah, yeah. And how I do that would be a lot of small steps mm. until I get to a point where I can realize that or have the opportunity to make a greater steps faster. Mm. Uh, I, I guess a similar a similar saying to what yours is um, is a, a man that has a why can weather anyhow. Sure, uh, which I'm assuming it's very 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 yeah. similar. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like a very grand plan, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, well, going back into fauna spotting and your experiences in fauna spotting, uh, what is what is some of, what is the coolest encounter you have had so far, um, and and or challenging catch one of the most interesting to me was the first time i got to relocate very common animals my first brush tail possum my first bearded dragon first carpet python these animals which now that you've been doing it for two years you catch quite often the first ones are Wow, this is fun. I've never done this before. It's a possum. <laughs> this was going to try to rip my arm off. Yeah. Bloody oath. And then feather tail gliders. Got a mother and three joeys. Saw that so photo. Beautiful, beautiful little animals. The gli- babies are only yay big. Brush-tailed fascigales. They're amazing. A range of different frogs and lizards and majority of which I-, I- It's kind of hard. Didn't know existed. Yeah. And- through the job, you really get in tune with your senses. Mm, mm-hmm, you see a leaf yeah. fall, your eyes are there straight, straight away. Straight up, brother. Straight so that's up. how you see lizards and frogs and small little things. Yeah, and, um, yeah. And it's all its all a race. It's a lot of diving and sprinting and oh, jumping on the animals. And breathing in dust into your esophagus. Oh, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> great having the runny nose when you're sweating with a 10 kilo backpack uh, all day. Yeah. It's, out in the field. It's a fight. It's a fight. Yeah, it's definitely more of a sweaty job. It's definitely no office job, that's for sure. I couldn't do the indoor nine to five. Mm-mm. I'd rather take the casual basis of work till the job's done out in all weather conditions, not under, well, not certain of what challenges you're facing that yep. day. Different, different trees or dams or creeks that you're impacting- Different animals, big old Panoptes or lace monitor, big old Eastern brown or red-bellied black snake. Still yet to catch a lacy on a job. Seen them, still yet to catch them. Oh, they're fun. Had them on snake jobs, but not fauna spotting. I like a little challenge. (laughs) I like death. The the little animals that are just cute and cuddly. It's like, oh, you bit me. Cute and cuddly. (laughs) But if you want to rip my arm off and absolutely be ferocious- I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah. But at the whole time, I'm trying to connect with their heart and say, hey, buddy, I'm trying to help you here and do the best I can for you. Telekinesis. Please Uh. don't eat me. Yeah. (laughs) We're buddies. Yeah. Come on, on. man. All right. So that's, yeah, it's kind of hard to put a a name to like your your favorite catch because there is, it's just everything. Because each catch, at least each animal has its own unique 
uh, interests uh, and fun ways of catching. I mean, with a goanna, you could man. die. No, with a goanna, you could get like ripped up. Um, and then with snakes, you could potentially die from envenomation. Sure. Uh, and then spiders, you could die from envenomation. Get lots of scorpions. Scorpions, yeah. you could die from envenomation. <laughs> if you're anaphylactic, generally you'd be fine. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there there is a lot of. Uh, um, it's kind of hard to put it put it to it. But what what would you say is your favorite animal, your favorite species? We did chat very slightly on the walk that we did. Yeah. From what I've experienced, it would be the Ninox strenua, the powerful owl. In this case, it's just the largest nocturnal bird in Australia. It's so cryptic. It's so beautiful, resonating sound. And just amazing when they stare at you in the middle of a forest because you know that- That was me, bro. They're the boss. <laughs> You're like, okay, sorry, I'll leave. But other than that, because of my upbringing, it has to be the horse. Yeah. To me, they're a symbol of just freedom. Not not in domestic situations, Peter. the paddocks, but if you look back to their ancestry on the Mongolian steppe, the, the short Shavolsky's horses just roaming the plains, just freedom. Mm-hmm. I love them. Mm. Yeah, right. So horses, uh, owls, horses, flying horses, walking owls. I have, I have seen, <laughs> I have seen only one powerful owl, and that was uh, down in Corumban. Uh, and during the daytime, I mm. was just walking through the bush, and I looked up and I saw it, and took a photo on this very low quality camera, but it was cool enough. And yeah, it was, it was very cool. Never seen anything like that. Where I live in. <laughs> Pretty well inner city Brisbane at the moment. Yeah. There's two that live across the road for me. What? So. That's pretty good. The place is undisclosed. It's it- top secret and it always will be. The Powerful Hour project, I know, is very top secret, um, which is uh, very understood. Why Why is it so top secret? For, for, for the listener who maybe does not know, uh, um, the challenges that our native fauna face um, with such as poachers, I guess, with the fauna, the smaller um, non-flying creatures. Um, what? Why, why is it important to keep uh, locations disclosed? We need to try to well, create wildlife wild. The more, the less privacy we give them, the more likely they are to be impacted. So the more attention that they grab, photographers, even people with the right ideas just yeah with the right intention take, take, just taking photos but the flashes particularly the lights because they're a nocturnal animal all this constant pressure they might decide to leave mm. where they're nesting or roosting mm. but these sites very hard to come by because the old growth trees that they require for these hollows majority are over 100 year old trees mm. and because these are also the trees we tend to chop down that are in the way yeah, yeah they're in the way because we're afraid they're gonna drop limbs of people's houses yeah. and roads so we drop yeah. them all down yeah but they're the ones that are of value so we can't disclose unless you become a volunteer for the powerful owl project yeah yeah how do you how do you go about becoming a volunteer for the powerful owl project it's an open forum you can find it on all social media pages or any local government area websites and then you just you and you sign a few pieces of paperwork you have to read through do some questions and small quizzes mm. and do some in-person training where you go through everything you learn about survey techniques and how to be under license to be in these natural places if you're going off track how to interact with wildlife what you do if you do find one or not and how you record and monitor and survey all these different steps that 
for your safety and for the animal safety. Yeah, cool. As well as growing your own understanding and appreciation of yeah. wildlife. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, well, that sounds like a, a beneficial group to be part of anyway, just in regards to learning the extras along So the much way. more involved. Yeah, yeah. wow. Okay. Um, well, with your um, fascination with wildlife uh, and for land as well and f- for flora, fauna, uh, has is there any one person um, or is there anyone that comes to mind that you would say has had uh, a large impact on the outcome of where you are? I've never really idolized anybody. Two people have easy to say my parents, just so grateful for everything they've done for me. Uh, but my grandfather, he's a real horseman, a bushman in the Australian outback. So he knows a lot of, you could say, indigenous knowledge because the people he's been around and who mm-hmm. he's learnt from. Yeah. So his his way of doing things, it's Eurocentric with a with a connection with the indigenous mindset, as, but then also figures around the world like a Zimbabwean ecologist, Alan Savory, who termed the Alan Savory Institute and in holistic management, pretty much using livestock production animals in a way that's benefiting the soil. And the same thing in Australia, a fellow called Charles Massey, who uses sheep in mm. New South Wales to do the same thing, to regenerate landscapes. Yep, yep. And these people, I think they're less highlighted to other wildlife and earth conservationists such as David Amber and Steve Irwin, mm-hmm. who are both <clears throat> remarkable people mm-hmm. of our world who've done amazing things. But there's these lesser names, Alan Savory, Charles Massey, and Gabe Brown, and all these other people in the agricultural field who are doing as much work, just with less limelight. Right. Right. And then learning from them. I read their books. I listen to their stories, and particularly their mistakes that they made along the way. Yeah, yeah. They've made a lot of errors, particularly in their respective fields and agronomy, ecology, taken steps that have been approved and recommended by their peers, Mm -hmm. taken those steps and found worse results because of it. right, okay. As a dramatic, quick story, Alan Savory, Zimbabwean ecologist, Mm -hmm. land degradation in Zimbabwe, Kenya and Africa, desertification of the landscape, loss of biodiversity. What do we do? Obviously, because there's too many animals, cold, huge amounts of African game, elephants, giraffes, zebra, wildebeest, lions, killed them all through the permits, through ecology and environmental management, all approved by peers. Still found out the land was still getting worse and worse because of that. So then he's scratched his head, went away. Everyone's like, oh, no, you did the right thing. though. That's what we thought. He changed his mindset. Thought, okay, how about we put more animals on instead mm-hmm. for a short amount of time, give it some rest, rotate them, mimic the natural systems of Earth. What happens? It worked. Mm-hmm. The soil regenerated, water came back, and inf- infiltrated into the ground, plant diversity increased, so insects did, so birds did, mm. so the large animals came back, the predator-prey dynamics Get came changed, back. Yeah. Ecotourism in- helped the local African communities and you got all the farmers of beef in Africa to take down their fences and to join their small, per se, herds mm. into one gigantic 
migratory herd. Yeah, yeah, right. With mimicking nature by having constant people monitoring and moving them, mimicking what a lion would do or yeah, a predator would do. Yeah, right. And then we in regards to that's that's pretty cool. But in re, in regards to how they then processed, uh, just uh, um, separated their own herd, their own animals, and within the one herd, I'm assuming there was tag tagging was used yeah. instead. Ear tags used for domestic <coughs> um, production animals. Yeah, all these potentially branding, but all these people are from a very close community, so they all benefit from the income and the mm. land benefits that are coming. All these positive externalities that are occurring because of these impacts, they're all it's all just positive. It's greater land resilience, so which means longevity in their income streams. Mm-hmm. It means more and better rain and water cycles and greater water storage capacity. So there's more nutrients of water available in the soil to grow plant matter. And so much large area, particularly in Africa, that they can rest, which means not have stock on this bit of land, for upwards of 90 days. Right, okay. Nothing there for 90 days. Let it heal itself back. Mm -hmm. Then after 90 days or more, the animals come back. Mm. Naturally or encouraged? In in these systems, encouraged. Yeah. But it mimics the Great Migration in Kenya and Zimbabwe and Ethiopia with the wildebeest and zebra who do right. it every year with millions of animals. Yeah. If you watch any of the documentaries who do any David of the research, Abra- yeah, they're yeah. here, they're constantly moving because of the pressure of predators, lions, hyena, wild dogs, cheetah, etc., and to find the next fresh grass. Yeah, yeah. Constantly moving. That's what nature's been doing ever since we've had an understanding of nature mm. in every country, everywhere. There's large herbivores where there's grasslands. Mm. We've either gotten rid of those large herbivores and replaced them with our stock, or we've built it up or changed our management routines. It's really about finding your connection with the earth and doing what the earth wanted to do all along. Right. Managing- How it was designed for in the first place. How how it was designed, Mm. just to be eaten, to be rested in a continuous cycle. Mm -hmm. Grass is just solar panels. Grass are solar panels to take the UV radiation from the sun, convert it into sugars and carbon, put that in the soil to lock it up to create nutrients. Mm. And that way everything comes from the soil. Everything comes from the sun, mm. then the soil and the water, then it all all exasperates out. It's a big, big-ass circle. Cycle. <laughs> big-ass cycle. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool how everything does work together. And um, in the process as well, uh, that... Uh, how we have come to understanding these things um, and the the progress of our understanding uh, in, makes life so much more exciting than just oh, oh walking through like at the at the in the bush there like um, there was people there just just walking because you know, get out in nature. I mean that's a good start. That's a good start getting out in nature. Salad's nicer when you got more vegetables in it, man. It's all about diversity. Salad's nicer when you have meat in it. <laughs> the most plant-based meal you can eat is regeneratively grown holistic beef. Mm. Most pa- it's the best best thing for the planet. You, to eat beef. To eat good beef. Quality beef. Not not the stuff in our major food systems, which is CAFOs, concentrated animal feedlot operations. This way you're creating monocultures of grains to feed the animals 
and you're reducing diversity, you're killing the soil. Mm. So you're putting more carbon emissions up into the atmosphere. Mm. So the way as a planet we consume meat, terrible, mm. terrible. It's, it's, it's having drastic impacts and a micro and macro climate yeah. as well as communities. Right. And we'll see that further and further as long as we progress through this decade. Yeah. Meat isn't the problem, though. It, what the, a saying I've heard is, it's not the cow, it's the how. It's it's the, the source of the problem isn't the animal. Mm. It's how the animal is managed or treated with the earth. Yeah. It's it's not an opportunity. It's it's a tool. Yeah. It's it's an entity. It's a it's a it's nature. Mm-hmm. It is nature. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to understand and understand our non-separateness from. Yeah, and respectably, respectively understand the, the, sure. our, what, what our purpose in the whole process is. Uh, well, I want to ask, is there something you want to say? No. Um, I, I want to do the, uh, the questions, the fire off questions. It. it is uh, the overrated or underrated comes to this session. Do you think it's overrated or do you think it's underrated? And if you want to expand on it, expand on it. Okay. All right. Overrated, underrated, the importance of fauna spotters in wildlife management conservation efforts. Underrated. underrated. There's so much more we can do to help our wildlife. So the role of a wildlife manager as a fauna spotter, ecologist, can be far more improved through our policy and regulation. Mm-hmm. Underrated. Right. Uh, overrated, underrated, the potential risk and harm to fauna spotters. <laughs> <laughs> underrated. There's large machines, there's vegetation falling down, there's venomous, infected, sick, wild animals, there's sun that were out there in the rain, there's changing topography and landscapes with potholes you didn't know were there. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, it's high risk, high reward. Well said, well said. Uh, overrated, underrated, physical fitness as a fauna spotter. Depends on how deep you want to get into what your job is, how important you feel and how you value, but underrated. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, it's a holistic regime. You you can't just have great species identification, but not have the ability to... Species, get to the species. Get, to, get to them <laughs> and catch them and save them. you you got to have a sound level of fitness to actually be able to go throughout the day yeah and sometimes not even stop yeah yeah oh yeah there's jobs my man my man uh overrated underrated drinking your own your own golden juice when you forget your water bottle i mean i reckon you can find it in the bush i reckon you can find water anywhere even in the desert but i would do it if i had to (laughs) it's underrated (laughs) underrated Yeah, I'd have to. <laughs> All right, um, the more you know. Um, overrated, underrated, people skills as a fauna spotter. Yeah, that's an interesting one. We spend most of the day just as an individual with someone operating a machine. But I know I'm more of an animal guy. <laughs> yes, you are. But I would say underrated simply because you have to have a, a strong voice mm. because you have to not tell someone how to do their job, but give them another perspective. Yeah. A, p- a potentially more educated perspective mm. on what's the best, most efficient way to do something that's going to minimize 
risk to all and suffering of mm-hmm. nature. How might uh, what? Is there a process or a um, specific example that you bring to mind in a conversation with, say, an operator uh, that doesn't really get the picture and they're just kind of blase going through the bush and you've got to like, hey, look, mate, I need you to stop and slow down. I got, I got a job to do. You got a job to do. I get it. Like, is there, is there a, um, a story or a thought process that you bring into that conversation f- to help uh, the, them understand better where you're coming from? I, I like, let shut them, up, go, just do, I'm telling you. <laughs> we're both doing <laughs> our jobs, but we're both operating as subcontractors, as third parties most of the time. Mm. So we have an understanding that whilst we're not trying to be the bad guy to either one of us, mm-hmm. the machine operator and the fauna spotter, mm. we both have a responsibility. And if one isn't meeting their responsibility, we have all the right to let the higher person up know. So for us anyway, as fauna spotters, it's like, mate, I want you to push this tree slowly down this way because I think there's an animal in it. And if they don't listen, I'll let them know there's more likelihood that there'll be dead animals everywhere and I'll, I'm going to record it and take photos anyway, no, ma- no matter what. And mm. That's that's part of the environment and science policy regulation system it's a law and it's the right thing to do mm. it's down animals because of what you're doing under you're doing because of the job that you're doing for someone else mm. then we all gotta take responsibility for what we're doing and yeah. if, if you're not gonna listen to me because of what i'm saying and what i'm doing not respecting my role then why should i help you mm. okay. i, I want to should be safe everybody should be safe content and satisfied with what they're doing in a way that's working towards a common goal. Yeah, good said. Well said, well said. Well, for someone, we'll finish on this question, or at least wrap up. Uh, for someone who wants to do fauna spotting, now they know what fauna spotting is, because some people don't. Freaking mm. I, I found out, I was a late bloomer in that understanding. Mm. Uh, how might someone get to where you are today how might someone do what you do instead of having fear for the unknown change that into curiosity you just got to be curious about things and understand that curiosity is a natural thing of a human being we are curious people and it's all self-reflection self-research the best way to understand yourself is to understand others to understand other things around you. Mm. Uh, you. You can't differentiate yourself between yourself and a rock unless you know what a rock is. And what, that what is you true. Are, you that know? is true. There is a difference. A I've seen a rock. Difference. Some people, the difference is hard to see, <laughs> but there is a difference. <laughs> you you got to really just understand that your understanding of the universe cannot be matched by someone else's understanding. or You will only trust to understand your own. And the best way to work with your understanding is to build on yourself, to work on yourself and everything around you. Mm. It's curiously something you have a question about. In this day and age, you can research nearly anything. Mm. Talk to people who know firsthand, have the experience itself. If you wanted to get into fauna spotting particularly or anything to do with the environment, to take the step. Mm. Understand that. Start asking questions. Ask questions to yourself, to others, and find an opportunity. Volunteer with a local landcare group to do replantings and weedings. Yeah. You'll meet 
random people who are a bit eccentric, potentially esoteric thinkers, but they're the they're the ones who are potentially making good impacts mm-hmm. because they're not thinking inside the box. Yes, there are some outgoing that I definitely would think that and say from experience that wildlife carers bit outside of the box. They're a bit. They're weirdos. Snake catchers are weirdos. Fauna <laughs> spotters are weirdos. But because it's so much fun, we're all compassionate and passionate about what we do. Yeah. And it's just- And then people don't understand. It's like, why don't you understand? Jeez, mate. You really loved catching that lizard. It's like, yeah, mate. I haven't seen it for two days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's only my hundredth bearded dragon, but it's cool. Yeah, this one bit me. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's right on, man. This world is beautiful and yeah. everything, everything in part of it- like. You can't know more. You can't know less. You just yeah. got to take everything for as it is and embrace every experience as you can mm-hmm. for what it is. Yeah. Be present in the moment yeah. now and now. Straight up. Straight up agree. Be present. Uh, well, on that note, man, I'm, we're going to f- finish this episode. It's been absolutely awesome having you on. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, and I look forward to every other conversation and uh, adventure that we'll have in the future. Good on you, Jaden. Appreciate the time, mate. Okay. Good on you. Namaste. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like more information, head over to www.thebigsmall.au and make sure to subscribe, like, follow on whatever platform you listened on. And I look forward to seeing you in the next one.